alternate realities? You could, uh, could have like a world without shrimp. Or with, you know, nothing but shrimp. Say you really like shrimp a lot. Or we could say you don't like shrimp at all. Blah, I wish there weren't any shrimp, you'd say to yourself. Stop! Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke, and uh, so we're, we're done with the Evil Queen for now. I mean, are we done with the Evil Queen? Because I remember how the Evil Queen plot resolves, and it hasn't happened yet. Does that really not happen until the end of the series? There's definitely a gap. This is the end of the Evil Queen as the big bad for this season. Yes, yes, the Storybrooke crew has much bigger fish to fry now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We're here to talk about Season 6, Episode 10, Wish You Were Here. This episode, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, um, is this the kinkiest episode of the show we've ever had? It could be. I mean, just with all of the cuffing and the master and Emma calling David daddy. Yeah. Well, we are back to Season 1, Regina, and the thing that we try to avoid thinking about with season one regina which is the non-consensualness of her relationships although unlike in season one the show is acknowledging that it is evil and non-consensual i i know i know i'm i see the look you're giving me the show didn't think that she was a good person but i don't think in season one the show was acknowledging that it was non-consensual I think even six years before, you know, these episodes aired, there was still a little bit of a, it's a power dynamic, but men can't be taken advantage of by women. It's sort of interesting to see how our thinking on this sort of thing evolves in what has been a fairly short period of time, all things considered. Yeah, it's interesting how TV shows, how pop culture in general is a real snapshot of how our thinking has evolved for the better in such a short amount of time i mean just compare and contrast for example friends and how i met your mother how Uh, well friends has just so many gay jokes just just so many gay jokes how i met your mother moves away from gay jokes and more into transphobic jokes which is not better but you can see the evolution and i feel like they start cutting that out near the end Yeah, if you look at the first season of How I Met Your Mother and then the penultimate season of How I Met Your Mother, the the last season is problematic for entirely different reasons. Mm. You can see how the writers were changing their idea of what was and wasn't okay. I think a good example is the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The way Boyle acts towards Rosa is... Awful. Yes, but the writers understood that and kind of course-corrected between the first and the second seasons. And since we just did a Brooklyn Nine-Nine rewatch, I noticed how in the very first episode, when they established Jake's bet with Amy about who can have the most arrests, and the bet is if Jake wins, Amy will go on a date with him, and if Amy wins, Jake will give her his car. And in the first episode, Gina says, Jake guarantees that the date will end in sex. And by the time that bet is concluded at the end of that season, they've changed what the bet is. It's not, she has to go on a date with Jake. It's, 
he's going to create a terrible evening for the two of them as a joke. And that is what the bet is, which is good because you could not accept Jake and Amy's eventual relationship if they had kept what it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, there's a lot of, we've also been rewatching Friends to prepare for a Friends trivia contest. Oh man, Friends. There's a lot of, I mean, putting aside the massive amounts of homophobia in Friends and And transphobia, there's just so much gender stuff in it that's just not good. Well, I mean, homophobia and transphobia are misogynies you know, step cousins, because it's all based on the idea that there should be rigid gender roles and people should be forced to fit into them. And if it doesn't fit into a weird binary, then it's unnatural. Just look at the episode where Ross fires the nanny that Rachel likes for the sole reason of him being a dude, a dude who is, by all accounts, very good at his job. God, Ross is just the worst. Ross Geller is terrible. Yep. Let's not forget, Ross Geller is famous for popularizing the idea of the friend zone. So, in conclusion, Ross is the worst. What were we supposed to be talking about here? We're talking about how much better we are as a society now that Friends isn't on the air anymore. I stand by that. We both love Friends, but... It's got some major, major issues, and it's not that they can afford that apartment. It is explained in the show they can afford the apartment because they're illegally subletting it from Monica's grandmother who owns it. That is the worst criticism of Friends I see bandied around all the time. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And today we're talking about Once Upon a Time, Season 6, Episode 10, Wish You Were Here. Are you going to cut all of that? No, I'm going to... Okay. So I really like this episode. I did too, which caught me a little bit off guard. This is the Wishverse episode. Yeah, it's the land of shrimp. Or alternatively, the world without shrimp. Nightmare. So as a reminder, Emma found the sword that was going to kill her in Gold Shop and Aladdin's a genie now. Yes. The episode opens with Emma, Regina, and Hook going to Regina's vault to try to find something that can defeat the sword since it's destined to kill Emma. And Hook's like, why don't we just destroy it? And Regina's like, that's not how prophecies work, Hook. Also, wait, didn't Emma and Hook move all of Regina's stuff out of the vault last episode or possibly two episodes ago? You know what? I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. But but they have to go to the vault. Otherwise, they wouldn't run into evil queen Regina mourning at... Mourning... Robin Hood's grave. Is that the right mourning at his grave? Is that the right verb there? she's at his grave and she's sad she's mourning at yeah i think mourning at his grave okay seems we i feel like there should be a different word there mourning over his grave okay mourning around his grave the point is that just as previous episodes have established that the evil queen is the same regina who raised henry and loves him this evil queen is the same regina who loved robin hood and felt the sting of his death although she's actually grateful for his death because it's what convinced regina to let her out yes the evil queen says that she too loved robin and regina clarifies that while the evil queen loved robin regina still does love him Hmm. which is a pretty good distinction i like that 
Now, Regina pops a fireball into her hand, and the Evil Queen's like, remember, we're the same person. This might become relevant later in the episode. This might become relevant in like five minutes. Just in case you, the audience, forgot or are just tuning in for this episode, the reason that they can't just kill the Evil Queen is because Regina and the Evil Queen are tied together. So anything Regina does to the Evil Queen will happen to Regina. Hmm. Although, for some reason, this didn't apply that one time she killed her, but eh. Well, she didn't kill her. That's true. She crushed her heart and she turned to dust, but... But then the dust, like, reconfigured into the evil queen. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So... The evil queen decides to take this moment to taunt Emma, because what are they gonna do? And she asks her how her parents are doing, sleeping beauty or sleeping daddy, which... Uh... Yeah, number one, ew. And number two, not Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, but that's okay. This whole episode is confused that Snow White and Sleeping Beauty aren't the same person because later on we're going to see Princess Emma singing Once Upon a Dream. This is a big, uh, this is a big late game episode because we get introduced to the wish verse and we get introduced to princess emma oh princess emma we've been making jokes about princess emma since season one princess emma is amazing i mean she's the worst she's amazingly terrible oh my god so excited to get to this okay let's keep going so emma enraged at the slight towards her parents slash the weird phrasing of sleeping daddy attacks the evil queen with a sword she does the same sword swipe that snow did with the fake excalibur that david made for her you're right she does and she swings and then she realizes and pulls back kind of at the last second so that she only scratches the evil queen's face and then turns to regina because oh no she might have accidentally just scratched up the face of the love of her life but y'all regina is fine apparently this is some sort of magic sword Yeah, this is a magic sword that can kill the evil queen, but leave Regina intact. And the evil queen notices this. This episode gave Lana Perea the opportunity to do so many face journeys. Okay, so the evil queen notices this, and then Emma tries to stab her through the gut, and she teleports away. Just like the very first episode. Okay, 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 but... Emma had a whole crisis of conscience leading into the whole dark Emma thing. That one time she tried to kill Cruella, but it's okay to kill the evil queen because she's just part of Regina's personality given life. Yeah, the evil queen, as far as moral okayness with stabbing people goes, is not her own person. She's the evil part of Regina. So you can kill her with impunity to your, you know, soul. Because it's just like going to therapy, right? It's just like like really aggressive therapy. Right? If I take medication for my anxiety, I didn't kill anxious Tina. I mean, I did, kind of. But I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, but anxious Tina isn't like a person who's sitting in our apartment. I don't know. Okay, but if I did some sort of experimental therapy, like in the Netflix show Maniac, and I took like a pill that that turned my anxiety into a separate person that I then pummeled to death, I still wouldn't feel guilty about it. Mm. That's not exactly what happened in Maniac, but kind of. As Emma lunges to stab the evil queen, the evil queen's reflexes kick in and she teleports away. And we go from there to the title card, where the title image... Oh, man. The title image is a statue of David and Mary Margaret 
standing victorious, having defeated the evil queen. I mean, we don't know that second part yet, but that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Here is my very important question. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened to that statue after the production no longer needed it? You think they went all office space on it? No, I assume someone has it in their garden. That's weirder. Why is that weird? I don't know. I just, I would be weirded out by that. Oh, because if it was like for sale at some prop house auction, I would 100% buy it and put it in our backyard. So we just have a statue of David and Mary Margaret in our backyard. The dog would hate that. Well, our backyard's pretty small, but we could move to a bigger house. So we could fill it with all of the prop statues we're suddenly buying here. <laughs> I I don't know why you think that's so strange, because that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen. So are you planning, like, a white queen in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe aesthetic for our future house here? Well, I just think any, any television show statue that I can procure at auction, I will procure, right? Mm. So this one... Um, the statue that kills, uh, Tahani, the statue of Camilla from The Good Place. Are you going to get a Cathla? That would be amazing. I'm sure someone already owns a Cathla. I am sure that Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. have that in their backyard garden. So, the Evil Queen bamps to a back alley, which, weird safety place. Where is she staying now, even? well i mean she's the evil queen i assume that she can find a place to stay there are a lot of empty houses in storybrook so rumple shows up and he's like ah so the savior got my special magic person killing sword yeah he's like i was gonna be mad that emma stole my magic person killing sword but i'm really glad because that means she can deal with you and i can work on the plot for the back half of the season hmm and then Rumple puts a magic cuff on her. Mm, not a magic inhibiting cuff. Nope, just a tracking cuff that she can't remove. So if Emma doesn't end up killing her, then Rumple can do it himself. By the way, this is the same cuff he put on Belle a couple of episodes ago. Mm. It's so weird. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with cuffs in these episodes. He's got those cuffs... We've got Aladdin's cuffs that turn him into a genie. I guess it's just those two. Yeah, still. So David's like, so we can just use the sword to kill her, right? Let, let's go do that. Let's go kill her. And Emma's like, eh, that, that's not really going to solve all of our problems. Remember, come a wife. She's right here. Come a wife. Yes. Emma wants to be the one to go take care of the situation. She doesn't want it to be David. She doesn't want anyone else to go. She just wants it to be her. She reminds everyone that she is the savior, that this is her job. But Henry doesn't want her to do it because she had the vision with the sword. And how does she know that the evil queen isn't going to disarm her and kill her with her own sword? And nobody says the most obvious thing, which is, there is no way the evil queen would wear a tacky cliche hood like that. Also, Emma, other people are allowed to do stuff on this show. Like, you haven't taken care of that many big bads. Zelina was the one who took care of the last one. Zelina. I don't know. It really does feel like it's Emma's responsibility to kill the evil queen. Or maybe, maybe Regina's? I would maybe say. Maybe it's Regina's responsibility? I would say it's Regina's, or... 
even arguably Snows, because Snows the one who grabbed the person-splitting potion and gave it to Regina. See, I was thinking it's Emma's responsibility not because she caused it, but because she's the one who loves Regina and needs to save her by killing the evil queen. Mm. So really, it's Emma or Henry's responsibility. They're the ones who love Regina. So... Regina, speaking of, offers to go with Emma to confront the evil queen, and Emma's like, no, you need to stay safe. Remember, we had this giant thing about how Henry needs to have at least one living mom. Also, they're gonna fight the evil queen, and like, they don't say it, but what if the sword isn't enough, and they have to do other damage to her to restrain her or something, and then that's gonna hurt Regina, and then that's gonna distract everyone, Although, this bothers me because really, Regina should show up and then just stab herself in the thigh to distract the evil queen so Emma can snickerty-snack her head off. Well, I mean, Regina should be watching this all go down through a mirror and stabbing herself in the thigh so that, yeah. There is so much she can do, and we know she's fine with- We already had a sequence where she took out her own heart and squeezed it to cause the evil queen pain to stop the evil queen from killing Zelina. Jesus Christ. What's happening on this show?! It just seems weird to be going into this battle and purposely depriving yourself of, let's be clear, your biggest non-Emma gun. Okay, serious question. Was this just to save money so they didn't have to have both evil queens on screen at the same time? I mean, probably. Also, why? Why would she bring David and Hook? I mean... I mean, they're the most competent people around her. No, they're terrible. And... Why would you go into a fight bringing hostages for someone to use against you? Yeah. They are actively not helping by being there. It's funny, Henry would probably be a better hostage as far as we'll see later in this episode, as far as making Emma do things. But he's also way more competent. Well, I mean, Henry is also someone they know the Evil Queen won't hurt. Although it might go both ways. Henry might have a hard time hurting the Evil Queen. Mm. Really, I'm coming back to, this is why Emma has to be the one to do this. She is the one person who has enough love for Regina to want to do this, and kind of the ability to stab her without hesitating. Mm. As we saw at the beginning of this episode. Exactly. So, Emma, Hook, and David are doing the Buffy opener power walk down the street. It is super foggy in Storybrooke tonight, y'all. Yeah, it's suddenly all Silent Hill here. They hear a woman crying for help from Granny's, and it's Jasmine. We might have forgot it was Jasmine because she's barely been in this season. Yeah, it turns out that, well, they were, I don't know, getting their coats to go kill the Evil Queen. The Evil Queen decided that she had to take matters into her own hands Captured Jasmine and stole the lamp. So now the genie, who is also Aladdin, is under her control. She makes a wish and she calls Aladdin the genie of Agrabah, which means that Sidney was the genie who used to live in this lamp because he also referred to himself as the genie of Agrabah. Okay, so we're still assuming that the genie that Aladdin and Jasmine knew is a different genie, though, even though they're both from Agrabah. Yes, but this is Sidney's lamp. Okay. Yes, that is my assumption. He is sort of wearing, I should have looked it up, he is sort of wearing Sidney's outfit. There are some changes. Oh, I didn't even think about looking that up. 
Huh. It's different enough. It is nice that Aladdin's getting an outfit. It feels like they've been kind of half-assing Aladdin. Yeah, they've really been half-assing Aladdin. But honestly, if you don't have the courage of your convictions to do Aladdin in a vest with no shirt, you've kind of already written yourself into a corner. And this actor has, like, serious abs. He's got pecs for days. As his series of very plunging necklines indicate. You know, I don't have an answer. I was... I, I. This show has a pretty serious problem with male shirtlessness in that it does not indulge in it as much as... We would like. I was going to say basically every sci-fi and or fantasy show does these days. Yes. I do have to acknowledge, because I've just realized, that I'm essentially complaining that they don't do a screen-accurate costume of Aladdin when I previously complained about them doing screen-accurate costumes of the Frozen Princesses and Merida, as opposed to doing takes on those costumes. Although I feel like Aladdin's look would have translated better to live action than those did. Yeah. His looks a lot less costumey. Aladdin's costume is three articles of clothing. It is a vest, it is pants, it is a tiny hat. A little hat. A baby Cable-esque hat. <laughs> I wish Cable had kept wearing that tiny hat. It's really more of a fascinator. I wonder where it came from, because the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix drew very heavily from biblical-style art. So you're wondering where Baby Cable's hat came from? Yeah. Jean very clearly has a Mary thing going on in the way she dresses. She has, like, blue robes. I'm not familiar with this arc, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. It it was a miniseries about Cable's childhood. I mean, although if you're talking about mother and child and the mother's wearing robin's egg blue robes then yes obviously that's a merry illusion i just i don't remember she owns that color now yes i also just i don't remember jesus having that little hat pretty sure jesus didn't have a little hat is it meant to evoke a halo i don't think so because it's a little fez okay we have to finish this episode but when we're done please do show me an image of that i will So the evil queen summons Aladdin from the lamp and Aladdin looks at her and he's like, God fucking damn it, really? He is so annoyed at this development. I love Aladdin in this episode, by the way. This is the best he's ever been. He warns the evil queen that wishes always come with a price, you know? He's one of those ironic genies, so watch your step. Yeah, he's like a wishmaster genie where he's got a lot of wiggle room here and he's going to wiggle that room against her. Exactly. So the evil queen tries to make the safest wish she can and wishes that Emma's wish from a few episodes ago to have never been the savior comes true. She makes the wish that Emma got her wish and then Emma disappears. I really kind of wish it would... Wish... It would have been really shoehorned in here, but I really do wish they had found a way to work the blind witch into this episode somehow, since this is... This is literally the wish first episode of Buffy. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about... I wish Buffy Summers had never come to Storybrooke. Exactly. Except this is the opposite of that, because if Buffy had never come to Sunnydale, she would have been a, you know, badass and not Princess Emma. Oh my. Okay, so we go from this to commercial, and then we come back from commercial with Emma making a wish on a star candle, just like the very first episode. Hmm. Lots of just like the very first episodes in this episode. Yeah. And when the camera backs up, we see that this is not Bounty Hunter Emma. This is Princess Emma. And not Princess Leia. 
This is Disney Princess Emma in her white princess gown making a birthday wish in the castle in the Enchanted Forest. In front of Old Snow and Old David. Yes, for expediency, we will be calling them Old David and Old Mary Margaret or Old Snow. But really, I mean, aren't they David and Mary Margaret with terrible community theater old person makeup? I don't even think they really have old person makeup. I they think just they have just... baby powder in their hair to make it look a little gray. Exactly. And yet somehow, I really do feel like Jennifer Goodwin looks better in this episode than she has in years. That is certainly an opinion. So my MVP extra in this episode isn't really an extra. It's Granny, who is A, still alive, and B, dressed up like the Queen of Thorns from Game of Thrones. She is! Elena Terrell. This is something I knew on command, not something we had to look up. <laughs> um, I watched Game of Thrones for like five seasons and I still knew like three character names. Speaking of the Virgin Mary, Snow is also wearing a Robin's Egg Blue dress in this episode. I really like Old Snow's outfit. Me too. It's, it's blue and gold and it's got a full skirt that is very flattering to her figure. I am... And she's got like a silver circlet... I, I'm really into this. Yeah. Yeah. So, Emma, this is a birthday celebration for her? Yes, it is Emma's birthday. And she tells her old parents that last night she had a dream. She dreamt that the curse was not stopped. That instead, she and her parents were flung to a bizarre world called Storybrooke. And that she was the savior and she had to fight to save them. Yes, and they're like, don't worry, there's no need to fight ever since we banished the evil queen somewhere. Everything is perfectly fine, and that's why we've raised you to be a pampered little princess with no ability to take care of herself, which is definitely in character for us. And Emma says, but if that's true, why was this magic sword under my bed when I woke up? And then she just picks up the magic sword, which I guess she had leaned against the wall for this conversation. Yeah, she brought it into the she brought it into the hall. Stuck it behind the throne, had a party, waited till a lull in the party to tell her parents about the magic sword. Like you do. And David's like, well, they were cleaning the castle. The servants were cleaning the castle earlier. Maybe they just stuck it under your bed for safekeeping. You're a a monarch. I feel like you should be more worried about this sort of thing. If your answer is maybe a servant picked it up in the armory without thinking about it and then carried it into your room and then didn't know what to do and stuck it under your bed, that should be concerning on its own. I'm I'm not going to edit it out. I'm just going to correct myself. I did say Emma was wearing white, but in fact, she is wearing a very, very pale pink. Mm. I feel like that has a different connotation, so I just want to bring it up. So before this conversation can proceed any further, it is interrupted by Henry, who is apparently having a knighting ceremony tomorrow. Yeah, he's 16, so it's time for him to go be knighted. All right, so Henry just sort of assumes the sword is for his knighting ceremony and everyone rolls with it. Eh. And he has a little embarrassing speech about how he's going to protect all of them as a knight of the realm. Wait, he's got, like, the mission, even though there is no mission to have because the evil queen has been banished forever. And apparently that got rid of all of the conflict? Yes. Okay. So... There is no war in Bossing say. Yes. So Emma's like, your father would be so proud of you. And then she gestures to a giant painting of Neil. That 
that just raises more questions. That does raise more questions. Okay, so she and Neil shouldn't have been contemporaries at all. Well, okay, I mean, it's a wish verse. So I guess the easy answer is in this pocket dimension, Neil is not Balefire. Like, Neil is not Rumpelstiltskin's son. He's just some dude. Because that's the only way it would work. We know Rumpelstiltskin wanted to get his son in this universe because later he has a conversation with Regina about how she disappointed him by not launching the Dark Curse, and that was the only reason he created the Dark Curse. And Rumpelstiltskin is still imprisoned, so it's not like some other plan brought Neil to this world. Yeah, Neil should not have, well, he shouldn't have been in this world because that gets rid of Rumpel's motivation for wanting the Dark Curse to go off. But he also would have had no reason to return to this world. Right. Well, you know, all of these, this show is going to try really hard to tell us that none of these people other than Emma are real. Hmm. So it doesn't matter how many of them die. Yeah, speaking of weird morality in mystically created people. Yes, but because all of these people were created for the Wishverse, I guess we can assume that Neil was some other person who was created whole cloth for the Wishverse. If it's an imaginary universe, it doesn't need to have consistent rules, I guess. Well, if it's an imaginary universe, Neil could have been anyone. That's not what I'm so concerned about. I'm much more concerned that this infantilized version of Emma has a 16-year-old son. Hmm. I'm also wondering why she named her 16-year-old son after the dad of the woman who was trying to destroy her parents. Okay, see, that is a much better question, right? Because... New Neil could have been created and then memories of him implanted in everybody's brains like Dawn in season five of Buffy because who cares? None of this is real. But some questions about where the name Henry came from would be a lot harder to write over. Mm. Mm. I guess there's only like five names in fake medieval England, so it's not too weird. Speaking of, by the way, uh, last episode with that mysterious baby... You know, the baby that uh, Rumpel was going to give to the Black Fairy. Right, right. I ended up doing a little research after the fact, and apparently its parents were Jack and Jill, presumably the ones who went up a hill. Did anything in the episode indicate that? No, I I'm wondering where it came from. I'm guessing they were probably credited as that, maybe. Oh, oh, no, that had to have, it, yes, it had to have been credited that way. Okay. But also, fun fact, it might have been an extra thing, because, uh, I know we had Goldilocks in the best spa ever, the Three Bears Spa. Yes. But apparently in there's a featurette on the season two DVD that has uh, Yvette Nicole Brown being Goldilocks in a TV show, uh, Good Morning Storybrooke. Oh, yes. One, someone sent us a link to that. And I, Gosh, I feel terrible now. I don't remember which of you sent us that link. But thank you for that, whoever did, like, two years ago. I really appreciate it. So... Anyway, you get the impression that Henry is not super happy with this incredibly peaceful uh, country. He has this weird sort of resentful look as Snow and the others wander off. I wonder what they're trying to play at here. I don't know. It's almost like they want to show that Henry, being competent in Storybrooke, is also kind of competent here and knows that something's wrong. 
even though he couldn't possibly because he is a construct. I think we're leaning into older season tropes of competent meaning evil. Interesting. Interesting. Because we don't get a lot of wish verse Henry, but he definitely has issues he needs to work out from <laughs> the little bits we see of him. Accurate. Back in Granny's diner, the rest of the Storybook crew is really upset that Emma just flat out disappeared. We're playing a lot of the blame game here. It's it's your fault from, uh, you know, Into the Woods. Yes. You know, David blames Regina, and Regina blames David, and David blames Hook, and... Hook blames Regina. This is not any of y'all's fault except the evil queen. I don't understand what's... Ha- okay, whatever. I love how angry David gets at Hook. David's like, you should know what Emma would wish for if a genie was around you. Live with her. And Hook's like, we barely have any free time at all because we're always dealing with fairy tale shit. Yeah, Hook's like, I'm sorry, we don't sit around talking about genie contingencies. Which is something I feel like most people actually do. Yeah, also they really totally should have. That actually reminded me of a later season Buffy episode where Dawn gets everyone trapped in the house because she made a wish at Halfrick that no one could leave. And then once it's all sorted, Buffy's like, I thought we told you you never say wishes out loud as though that's a thing that they discuss and plan for, which I kind of loved that detail. Yeah, well, she, because she's like, what did we talk about? Making wishes in front of strangers. Which is a good thing because you hang out with Anya and you know what happens. Exactly. So Regina comes up with an idea to... Throw a punch back at the Evil Queen. Yes, the evil. uh, according to Regina, the Evil Queen has landed a lot of punches today, but she may have just figured out how to throw one back. Because somewhere during the course of this argument, someone pointed out that Regina and the Evil Queen are the same person. Okay, so... They're doing that thing people only do on TV where then Regina takes off without telling anyone her plan. And this is a terrible mistake. I feel like if Regina had told people her plan. And by people you mean Henry. Yes, of course. And by people I always mean Henry. She could have saved herself a whole lot of trouble, you know, coming up. Because mm. she could have come up with a better... We'll, we'll get to it. Well, actually, I... Actually, I think her plan was a good plan. It's just that her plan involves her disappearing and no one knowing where she went. Mm. So we go from that to Rumple in his shop trying to use his magic globe ball to find Gideon. He combines... I, I like when we get to see practical magic that isn't just pointing at stuff. I do too. He has one of Belle's hairs and he plucks a hair from his head and he rubs them together over the ball... And he tries to call forth an image of Gideon, but want want he can't. Nope, Gideon is gone. He's not on this plane, I guess. Not on this earth. Which I would assume anyway. Right? Know. Me too. Oh well. Because Blue took him to Fairyland. I'm assuming that's not really a place you can spy on. Right? But. Okay. So, meanwhile, in Regina's office, the Evil Queen is doing some really uncomfortable stuff with Aladdin. Oof, yeah. Well, first she's having to make her an apple teeny, which, that's fine. Uh, he... Who is she? JD from Scrubs. Aladdin actually asks her if that isn't a little too on the nose. He's so great in this episode. He really is. And then, oof. She... At first she tells him that he is basically her servant now, or else she's going to make... His life even more unpleasant, which he says is impossible. 
And then she creepily insinuates that she's going to have sex with him. And he's like, oh, that is more unpleasant. Well, she specifically says that she's interested in exploring more of this master genie relationship while literally sticking her hand down his shirt. And then he casually takes her hand out of his shirt and it's like, yeah, no, that's that's not going to be that's not going to be happening. See, this dynamic is different than the dynamic with graham Mm. remember him yes remember graham because aladdin is not intimidated so that doesn't change well aladdin's also aware of what she's doing this is a different thing because it's true graham was brainwashed or hypnotized washed heart washed (laughs) yeah there you go um that doesn't change the fact that the evil queen's insinuations are in fact evil but it does to me at least make the scene less uncomfortable because i'm not concerned about aladdin Mm. i'm not concerned about his ability to protect himself also she does back off i mean she still makes insinuations later in the scene but she does physically back off after he removes her hand yes and his response is essentially to just roll his eyes at her i also think that she doesn't actually have that much control over him she has two remaining wishes But everything else he's doing seems to be, it it doesn't seem like he's compelled to do it. When he makes her the martini, the apple teeny. He says, is this your wish? Which he's trying to work it in subtly. And she's like, "Ah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, she says, no, no, it's just a request, not a wish. And I mean, I don't think there's anything in the way Genie Master stuff works that obligates him to actually do this other than, as you said, him trying to trip her out into accidentally making a wish. Mm. So I think that's the other thing that makes this less uncomfortable than the scenario with Graham. Yeah. It's it's a situation where he's not exactly without power. Yes. Like, he is under her control, but he's also... Well, I mean, was that not the entire point of Disney's cartoon Aladdin? That the genie has phenomenal cosmic power but also this incredibly major constraint and that when you have a genie you essentially have a tiger by the tail mm. or to a lesser degree the Wishmaster movies yes although he took or some... to a lesser degree the Wishmaster movies he took some pretty big liberties with the wishes and that i i always just go back to the one where he's chasing the girl and the girl's like i wish i had a place i could hide and he teleports her into a cage full of rats that's not a place you can hide yeah although she should have said she wished she was safe why doesn't anyone in a wishmaster movie ever do that you know what the main hero heroine wishes for to stop him what i wish you had a heart no that would have well he probably would have just taken hers that's how never ending story part two ends oh god no uh she wishes that the archangel michael shows up to defend her and does that work ish yeah i mean they end up winning at the end but i I was reading a review of the movie and the guy pointed out he's like a why doesn't anyone ever just wish i wish you would go away without hurting anyone or two if you're going to wish for the archangel michael why not just go all in and say i wish god would show up and kick your ass yeah, it's a weirdly specific and not the most... Ha- That's a weird wish. That's a weird wish. Is Michael even the angel you'd go to for that sort of thing? Yes. Is is Wishmaster, like, secretly Christian propaganda? 
it's not very good christian propaganda if it is i mean it so has, possibly yes possibly you know like those movies where the guy's trying to plow down a church that nobody goes to anymore to build a community center or uh housing for low-income families and the movie doesn't really go into why it's bad that the i mean obviously he's plowing down a church that no one goes to so it's bad well you know it's like last ounce of courage where the hero is the guy who runs the food shelter with like the big crosses and stuff in it and the villain is the evil aclu lawyer who's not letting him put christian stuff on public land and it's like, okay, well, the ACLU lawyer isn't working on his own. There's a person who felt like you as the mayor putting Christian stuff on public land indicated that he was lesser as a citizen. There is some, especially because the mayor is like, no one was upset. Really? Really? Because someone called the ACLU. <laughs> oh, did you just mean none of the people that you care about were upset? Because guess what? When you're an elected official, you represent all the people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of those movies have difficulty with that sort of thing. There are a lot of Christian movies that have unintentionally sympathetic villains. Well, I mean, those movies aren't for us. Let's they're, let's be fair. They're not. But like, they're, The villains are sympathetic to us, but if you asked the filmmakers about that, they would say that that is because of the villainous that resides in our own hearts. Like, specifically you and I, not you, the general public. But, like, in ChristianMingle.com, the movie, it might just be called Christian Mingle the movie, but in it, the love interest is so awful to the main character for the whole movie, and we're supposed to be happy when they get together in the end? Also, she believes in Jesus, decides she wants to date a Christian boy, and is actively trying to learn more about the Bible and Christianity, so I don't know at what point she's not christian yeah he gets mad at her for lying about being a christian and she's like but because because he finds christianity for dummies in her backpack she's trying to learn about christianity i mean she's she is christian yeah she well i mean the fact is she's not evangelical so yeah he gets mad at her later in the movie when she's going to the christian church where they aren't assholes yeah it's not the right kind of christianity i mean basically christian mingle is like really feels strongly about what the right kind of christianity is max you're only really a christian if you like your steaks cold and overcooked you're only uh you're only a real christian if you go to steak and cake oh my god that restaurant looks so bad they just put a pile of steaks on a plate it must be so cold by the time you get to it also also the fact that it we're supposed to find it endearing that the main character is that the love interest is grossed out by sushi like okay he agrees to go to a sushi restaurant with her and then spits out the food and he's like i'm sorry i have a penis i can't eat this it is the year of our lord 2017 when that film was made sushi isn't weird anymore you can get it at the mall uh anyway toxic masculinity harms everyone toxic masculinity harms everyone so anyway uh regina bursts into the evil queen's office and she's like hello me and the evil queen's like hello me want a drink 
Yep. Yep. And the evil queen starts talking about how you should thank me. I got you everything you ever wanted. I mean, she did. She's like, look, I got David and Snow apart in this like twisted curse where only one of them can be awake at a time. And I sent Emma to a pocket dimension where she's not going to bother us anymore. You're welcome. What can I say except you're welcome? Exactly. I mean, I feel like the evil queen is making a very good point here that the reason all of her schemes have failed in the past is because she was too good. Mm. And honestly, she got things done in a shockingly fast amount of time once she had her evil part separated. And let's be clear here. She would have been 100% successful if good Regina wasn't here saving the day. So if Regina had always been pure evil, there would be no show. She would have just won. Yeah, which evil Regina points out. She's like, I went out and I got you everything you wanted. You're welcome. Regina casually puts down the drink that Aladdin made and Aladdin smirks in the background. Yes. He's doing a lot of fun background acting in this scene. He is. He really is. Uh, When the evil queen is talking about how they are the same person, so the evil queen knows that... So the evil queen knows that what she wants is what Regina also really wants. Aladdin kind of picks up on what Regina's plan is and has a little smile. And Regina announces, hey, guess what? If we are the same person... And you're holding the lamp. Then that means I can also make a genie wish. I wonder if, does this burn off one of the evil queen's wishes? It absolutely does. Yeah. So Regina's like, yo, genie, I want you to send me to wherever Emma is. And Aladdin's like, you got it, boss. Yep. And Regina is transported to the Wishverse, to the forest of the Wishverse, which I feel like was definitely Aladdin making sure that she was safe by not transporting her to, you know, like the middle of the castle. Hmm. So she immediately encounters the dwarves and is way more cheery than we have ever seen Regina being around the dwarves. Even in her good form. Even in her good form. Even in her good form, she's at least a scotch racist towards dwarves still. Right. Fantasy racist. Right. Well, she runs to the dwarves and she's like, hey, it's me, Regina, not the evil queen because I'm different. And they do not buy it and run off to warn Snow and David that the evil queen is back. <gasps> So, Snow just straight up doesn't go by Mary Margaret in this world. No, I mean, why would she? Yeah, but David still goes by David. It's his name. It is his, well. Yeah, all the stuff with James still happened. Yeah, it's just, you know, when did Snow find out that his name was David? I know they had the sort of joke scene in season two with the giant where they were acknowledging the fact that David's name was massively inconsistent. I'm not entirely sure when she learned his name was David. And we had that weird thing where, I know it's season one and continuity is always fuzzy near the beginning of shows, but that thing where Cinderella was calling him James at that party. Yeah. Huh. Well, we can't really talk about that because we have to talk about the giant marble statue in the middle of the clearing. You mean the giant marble statue of David and Snow that commemorates, on this spot, Snow White and Prince David heroically defeated the evil queen that is correct that is some serious editorializing statue especially because we have learned that the evil queen was defeated by the fairies which just raises the question why didn't the fairies defeat the evil queen 
the it, first time around. Right, in our timeline. But Regina marveling at this hideous statue is interrupted by Princess Emma. Oh my god. Skipping through a field of flowers. Picking daisies. Picking daisies while humming Once Upon a Dream. Yes, she's picking daisies presumably to make into a daisy crown. God. Yes. And Regina comes upon her and just... Lana Priya's face journey here. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Yes, and... Princess Emma hides behind a tree. She's like, what are you doing here? My parents banished you all. And Regina's like, oh my god. And she tries to explain things to Emma. She tells her, you know, you're in a wish dimension. Actually, we're friends. Actually, we're co-parents. And Emma's like, I... I don't believe you. Now, Emma is a charming, always. So when Regina tells her that she's the savior and that they need her back, that's when Emma starts to believe her. When Regina tells her that she's special, that's when Emma starts to think she might have something. This scene, however, gets interrupted when Snow shoots an arrow at Regina, obviously missing, and... Regina turns around and she's like, David? Snow? And David's all, you will address us as your majesties because we rule this kingdom now. And Regina just epic eye rolls. David, you're a shepherd. Calm down. You're like a consort. Right? Like, if Snow made that demand, that would be one thing. But you need to to slow your roll. And and Regina is just completely dismissive. She She's like... She tells them, you guys aren't real, and then just turns back to talking to Emma. Yes, David has his sword out, and Queen Snow has her bow, and Regina is just straight up ignoring them. She's like, you guys are hallucination, a piece of bad cheese. <laughs> and She also laughs at how old they are. She does, and she's, like, genuinely kind of surprised, shocked. She's like, oh my god, you're old, and... Snow's like, your insults mean nothing to us! Because they are in entirely different genres right now, which is hilarious. So, David... David is sick of being ignored, so he attempts to murder Regina, and Regina's just like, bamf! Like... Yep, she bamfs right out. We cut back to Storybook proper, where Hook, Jasmine, and David are in the loft trying to figure out what to do. David, by the way, says that he's not going to wake up Snow because he doesn't want to wake her up just to give her bad news, which seems both selfish and terrible. Mm. Like, what if Snow had an idea how to fix this, David? I I know, I know, I know, but what if? I hope my facial expression came through just... In your silence? Yes. I don't remember the last time Mary Margaret had an idea that positively affected the plot. Ugh. Like, I'm not saying it hasn't happened. It's just been a real long time. Yeah. So David's all gung-ho to go out and steal the lamp, and Hook's like, really? We're not the competent characters here. Yeah, Hook says they're outgunned. They can't do that. We've we've literally lost every competent character except for Henry, and, you know, Henry's a kid. can't bring Henry, yeah. So, but David has an idea that he's going to rush off without telling them about now. They all need to stop doing this. In the wish verse, Regina is in her castle, the evil queen's castle. So no one else took this over. It's just been standing there for the past however many years. Yes, a monument to evil. I mean, I guess they did 
stick Rumple's cell in the basement there. Wait, that's a terrible idea. That's the first place that... You know what? You're right. They did stick Rumple's cell in there because while Regina is wandering around, she hears Rumple rattling about his cage and goes down to have the conversation with him in the next scene. But despite the fact that I've watched this episode several times, it didn't really occur to me until just this time that... That's in the Evil Queen's castle. That's so dumb. If the Evil Queen does return, obviously the first place she's going to go is her own castle. And if she returns and goes to her own castle, she's going to find an unguarded Dark One. Yeah, so you're you're just making more problems. You're, you're making yourself a problem sandwich there. So Regina goes down to Rumpel's cage and finds an unguarded Dark One. It's a one-point failure system. It is! So, she... Rumple tries to do a jump scare on her, and she's like, Oh my god, really? Really a jump scare, Rumple? This scene is like the previous scene, where Regina is in one type of story and Rumple is in another. Rumple is like, How dare you return my apprentice after you failed me? And she's like, Yeah, that was the other queen? She's like, Shut up! I've got this whole other thing I need to do. I don't care about what bullshit fake history you're remembering. Also, I'm from a different dimension. In my dimension, I succeeded, so... And guess what? Your son still died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she also tells him that he's not real, but that she does need his help. She needs a bean to get back to, you know, Storybrooke proper. I guess you can teleport out of sub-dimensions. I guess, yeah, when we were watching this episode, I was really concerned with the idea that you could take a magic bean out of a wish verse. If you take a magic bean, aren't you just in another part of the wish? Like, aren't you still trapped in the reality where you're in a wish, but you've expanded the pocket dimension to include storybook, like the ship in a bottle episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? Oh, I thought you were going to do a, the Rick and Morty thing with all the fake alternate realities. No, I meant an actual science fiction show that was one of the shows that that was referencing. Ooh, dang. But if you can take a magic bean out of the Wishverse, that means the Wishverse is just a pocket dimension that is its own dimension. Which means that anyone who gets murdered here was a real person who actually got murdered. Exactly where I was going with that. Mm. Mm. Which would imply that this is using Buffy Wishverse rules, where it just brings you to a uh, universe where the circumstances are. Like, if the wish is grand enough to alter reality, then it just brings you to a different reality. Okay, see, I don't actually think this is Buffy rules, where it brings you to a different reality. I think this reality was created by the wish, like in the Buffy episode Superstar. Yes. But, well, which was created by a spell, not a wish. But... That doesn't make it less real. These are still people with thoughts and dreams and memories and aspirations. I don't want to get too into it because it's a, we just fall into a black hole. But it's like the pocket dimension Superboy that was created so the Legion of Superheroes would still make sense post-Infinite Crisis. Like... His reality was still real, even though it was created just to get around some continuity issues. Right. Like, it's still a real reality. All right. Whatever. We're putting way too much thought into this. Yeah, this is another instance where we're putting more thought into it than the writers did. As we were saying, Regina needs a bean so that she can get out of this wish verse with Emma. And Rumple wants, in exchange for that bean, for Regina to let him go. And she's like, no, 
No, thank you. Like, this world might not be real, but fuck you. Well, it's more like, I know this world isn't real, but even a fake Rumpelstiltskin is a scheming, dangerous person. So, no, no. Also, also, she's had a lot of dealings with someone who isn't technically real this season. And you don't want a fake Rumpelstiltskin also out there running around causing mischief. Right? Right. But, I mean, Rumpel's point that this world isn't real, so who cares what I do, is pretty strong. Hmm. And then he does a whole Batman Joker thing to Regina, where he explains to her that the whole reason Emma is the savior is because she had to be the savior, because the evil queen was there pushing her to be the savior. Like, the villain created the hero, and the hero creates the villain, and they're, like, tied together, and why don't they get married and raise Henry together? (laughs) Batman and the Joker. <laughs> but yes, they have a symbiotic relationship. One cannot exist without the other, even though they're enemies. So Regina realizes what she has to do and puts on her evil queen outfit. You know, magically. Magic girl transforms into the evil queen. Which is good because she's been wearing her coat of many buttons, which, as we discussed last episode, well, it's not terrible. It's not one of the better Regina looks. Right. It's like, uh, uh, it's not exactly like it because that was much worse, but remember when uh, Phoebe was stuck in that awful rattlesnake shirt for like four episodes when Rachel was giving birth? Yeah, because Rachel gives birth over four episodes, so Phoebe was wearing the same terrible outfit the whole, yeah, for four episodes. Just like uh, Charisma Carpenter at the end of the Angel season where she gets pregnant was wearing a terrible dress, and then that plot line stretched on for ever yeah so she was wearing that same terrible dress for like six episodes anyway regina accepts rumple's advice and lets him out of the cage then bamps herself into the evil queen outfit a evil, well it's it's basically your standard evil queen outfit yes your standard uh, your evil queen everyday wear before rumple runs off regina's like hey the bean and he's like oh i'll get it for you just like meet me at the lake tomorrow wink Except, I mean, he goes through with it. I mean, he does, yeah, he does have a bean for her. Boy, I mean, it makes sense that he wouldn't have had the bean in his cage. Yeah. But, boy, if it was this easy for him to find, you know, a bean. Wait, wasn't the whole... Didn't all of this happen because he didn't have a bean? Well, I mean, he... As we've discussed before, he wanted magic in the world without magic, which is why he went the dark curse route, instead of one of the dozens of other ways of going to the world without magic. Okay, I guess. But boy, do they really swing on how rare magic beans are. They really do. I mean, it's the wish verse, so, yeah. Alright, so back in Storybrooke, Belle is sitting, sadly, on the dead relative bench. Yes, Rumpel approaches her and is like, well, you look well. And she says, yeah, remember how you sped up my pregnancy? Well, the fairies sped up my healing, jackass. Which, you know, doesn't excuse anything that went down, so... If you could just leave me alone, I'm I'm not going to tell you where our kid is. And Rumpel's like, uh, well, I wasn't expecting you to because I used magic to try to find him and wah wah, he's not here. Yep, their kid is nowhere. Which, again, I feel like Rumpel shouldn't be able to track him through fairy realms anyway, but... Eh. As a show of good faith, he takes the cuff off of Belle, which is like such a low bar. He's not actively imprisoning his ex-wife anymore. What a fucking mensch. 
but he tells her it's not about getting her back. It's about making sure that their son is safe. He tells her to call the convent and ask to talk to Blue, which she does, and is then... Why would... I mean, Blue is supposed to be raising the kid in the fairy realm. I don't think Blue is raising the kid in the fairy realm. I think Blue was bringing the kid to the fairy realm where other fairies were going to raise him. Hmm. But the point is, whatever they tell her at the convent, it is bad news, and they need to hightail it over there. Yes, it is bad news bears. Meanwhile, back in the Wishverse, Snow and David in their king and queen outfits, which are basically your very, very standard king and queen outfits. Yes, they are standing in their wedding gazebo, their indoor wedding gazebo, Mm. getting ready to knight Henry. They're trying to proceed with their lives as usual and not let the evil queen throw off their groove because this is season one all over again. This is a straight up duplication of the second scene of the whole series where David and Snow White are getting married. I had another MVP extra. He, You only see him for like 10 seconds, but he's a dude with a rainbow half coat. It's like a half coat in the front and then it goes real down in the back. And I'm like, that dude had an aesthetic. I wish we had spent more time with these other people in the Enchanted Forest, even though apparently they're not real people. Guy in rainbow coat aside, the doors open, and Henry comes out in some gold-ass armor. Well, the... he's a he's a prince. He needs golden armor. Is this a reference to the Dark One's Light One outfit? Oh, it kind of does look like what Rumpel was wearing as the Light One in that alternate universe. Boy, they're really throwing the alternate universes fast and loose in the end of the show. Yeah. So That's because they wrote themselves into so many corners, they had to make pocket dimensions to get out. They do the knighting ceremony where Prince Henry promises to be a faithful knight and do all the knight shit and save the kingdom and all that shit. There's a great bit when he's walking into the room where you can see Regina watching him from the hallway and she has this little smile on her face yes you see emma being so proud of grown-up henry being knighted and then you see regina feeling the exact same emotions but watching from the hall before she decides to ruin it all by bursting in and basically just quoting the first scene of this show yes she comes in and says that she is here to ruin their happiness and then they do this they do the same like weird sped up green screen walking. Like it's the same terrible effect, which I'm assuming they're just doing for symmetry's sake and not because they couldn't do it better. Yes. Um she, I think it also makes her her I think it also makes her approach look a little more magic. It's a little uncanny. Hmm. And you know, she threatens the charmings. It's what she does. She's going back to her roots. Yes. She telekinetically throws the guards out of the way and she's like, I'm going to kill Mary Margaret, I mean, Snow and David, unless someone is brave enough to stop me, Princess Emma. She's making all of this meaningful eye contact with Emma. If only there was a hero who would step up and be a hero. This is one of those very obviously leading things that Emma's just not picking up on. It's honestly kind of adorable this it's weird to say it considering all of the things that happen i think this is one of the shippiest swan queen episodes it is because she's looking at emma she's like frozen everyone in the crowd except emma and she's like so 
So, Princess Emma, are you going to save your parents? And Princess Emma hides behind one of the paltroons. What, what do you call those things? The gazebo the pillars. The gazebo pillars? I don't yeah. know. She hides behind one of those and the evil queen's like, she rolls her eyes and she's like, all right, if someone can work up their bravery, I'm taking the queen and king to my castle where I won't do anything to them as long as a hero shows up at some point to stop me she obviously thought that emma was gonna step up there in the throne room but since that doesn't happen she bamps david and mary margaret with her back to her castle leaving detailed instructions to emma where to find them it's so cute like does nobody realize how She's like, it's po- nobody else, like, what is... Ha- you know what it reminds me of? The episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where Doug Judy is holding everyone hostage, and then Jake shows up, and they're best friends. How come no one else in the kingdom is like, okay, obviously Regina and the princess have some sort of history. There's a lot of subtext happening that we do not understand. And she's she's just playing such softball. Oh, it's adorable. It really, really is. We go from that to Storybook proper, the police station, where Hook and Jasmine are waiting for David, who is late, which is weird. It doesn't they don't really explain what happened that made him late. We just see that and then we cut to where David is, which is the Mayor's office, where he oh. is confronting the evil queen. I love this. He throws a sword at her and says, Pick it up. She says, Why? You dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And he and he's all like Fight your own battles for a change, you snake, which... I've never called you a snake before, but I think it's important that we establish that you are a snake, much like Rumpel is a crocodile for some reason. Is this this an Aladdin reference? Anyway, he fights with the evil queen for a few seconds before it's revealed that he was just trying to distract her long enough to get behind her. And grab the genie's lamp. Honestly, this is embarrassing for everyone. It's embarrassing that David's plan was bum rush her and grab the lamp. And it's embarrassing for her that that worked. It's also embarrassing. He grabs the lamp and he's like, now I have the ability to stop you. And she just lets him rub it. Really? You have a sword. He gave you a sword. He's not magic. Stab him. He gave you, not just you have a sword, he gave you a sword. You have magical powers. You could telekinetically throw him into a wall. You could set him on fire with your mind. You could do so much stuff to stop him, but she just stands there and lets him rub the lamp. Superheat the lamp so that he can't rub it. It is kind of great, though. He rubs it, and Aladdin comes out, and he's got a lot of L'Oreal wind when he comes out. Yeah, he's he comes out like a freaking supermodel. It's... Gorgeous. And then he turns to David and says, Ooh, are you my master now? Yeah. And David's like, Yes, Aladdin. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's it's pretty kinky, y'all. It's pretty kinky. And he's just grinning like They are both they both seem very excited about this change of circumstances. And you know what? Good for them. As long as everyone's consenting, you should be able to to rub whatever lamps you want. Yes. And the Evil Queen's like, Okay, David, think twice. Remember, all wishes come with prices. And Aladdin's like, Whatever, I'm the genie and I'll do whatever you want. But David, it is true. But also, I'm pretty sure to some extent, the genie controls what the price is. So, 
It's not as much of a threat as the evil queen seems to think it is. And David wishes that the evil queen will get what she deserves. David, you are terrible at making up wishes. Also, that's really, really broad. What does that even mean? That's so vague. And Aladdin's like, I granted it, but I didn't really know what to do with it, so... Yeah, Aladdin grants it and nothing happens. And the evil queen's like, yeah, this is what I deserve, bitch. Yeah, I have everything I deserve. Everything that makes me unhappy is because of me. Like... Yeah, so then David tries to stab her because because if David is anything, he's consistent in not realizing that you shouldn't try to stab magical people. And the evil queen points out, she's like, you know, for our good guy, you seem to try to murder people a lot. Just maybe think about that a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to dive into that more, but come on, dude. I love how she's doing our job there. She, she force chokes him for a while until Hook and Jasmine run in. And, and Henry. And Henry. And then she stops force choking him because death is too good for him. Well, Hook's like, stop, we've got you surrounded. You're outpowered and outmatched. And she's like, not really? Not outpowered. Outnumbered, maybe, but not outpowered. And she, she's just like, look, I already got what I want. I don't need to do anything else. And she bamps out. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Back in the wish verse... Oh my god. Regina is pacing her room in in her castle, and David's like, you'll never get away with this. And Regina's like, okay, whatever, you're not real. I don't really care what you say. Well, she says, that's what I'm counting on. He's like, you'll never get away with this. We're going to defeat you. We always defeat you. And she's like, I know. That's what I want. No follow-up questions from the Charmings. It's because they're not real. Maybe. Maybe. Emma shows up with a box, and Regina's excited. She's like, ooh, what, is it a weapon? Are you ready to defeat me? And Princess Emma opens the box and is like, here is the key to the kingdom. We surrender. Please let my parents go. And Regina picks up the key, and she's like, Emma, I don't want this. And she throws it on the ground. She just tosses it to the ground, and she's like, oh my god. How come nobody can do what I need them to do? And she's like... I just want to get you back to Storybrooke. I want you to remember who you are. And Princess Emma's like, Storybrooke? Like, from my dream? And Regina's like, no. This is, like, yes, but no. This is the dream, and I want you to wake up, and all you have to do is fight me. I'm not even going to fight back. You just need to fight me a little. Come on, give me an inch, and I will give you a mile. She pulls the hearts out of David and Mary Margaret and is like, look, now I have your parents' hearts. Just run me through with a sword. Jesus fucking Christ, Emma. And Emma just collapses on the ground crying. She's like, Princess Emma. Princess Emma. She's like, I'm not the savior. There's nothing I can do. And Regina's like, I'm not fighting you at all. You have to do literally anything. And she's shaking the two hearts. And I feel like this is an accident, honest to God. It's true. She does eventually crush the hearts and David and Mary Margaret just flop over in kind of a funny way. It's like so dark and funny. Um, But no, I think you're right. I think she's just shaking them in aggravation and accidentally crushes them. And Emma's just crying and she's just like, they're not your real parents. Seriously. Seriously. I wasn't. I was giving you every opportunity. Why can't you just fight me? The fact that everyone is feeling so much drama right now and the evil queen is like, oh my god, can we just get this done? The juxtaposition is so beautiful. It makes this episode amazing. But Henry, 
shows up because in every universe he is the most proactive charming absolutely henry shows up and he's a knight now and he's gonna freaking kill the evil queen and 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 regina's like look i'm not gonna fight you henry if this is something you feel like you need to do even a fake version of you so be it and henry who's apparently been taking knight lessons from david throws double-handed throws his sword at regina i mean i'm not a swordsman but i'm pretty sure that's not how you sword yes swords are not projectile weapons i mean other than in the world of once upon a time now emma who could not stand up and be a hero to save david and mary margaret's life is absolutely able to snap out of it remember how to do magic and freeze time to save her one true love, Regina. Yes, she freezes the sword in midair, and Regina's like, really? I mean, okay, but really? Aw, Emma. <laughs> and Emma's like, yeah, I remember. Sorry, that was... God, this is just a whole thing. I'm so sorry about that. She's like, I am so embarrassed. Whoops. And she points out that... uh Seeing Henry about to kill reminded her of everything she never wanted Henry to be, which... Well, I think the more important part of her statement was that when she saw that Regina wasn't going to raise a hand against Henry, that's when she remembered Regina and Henry's relationship. Like, that's what snapped her out of it. Also, I I know time is frozen, Regina, but maybe move out of the way of that sword that's frozen in midair. Well, Emma does pluck it out of out of the air because that's what she does. And I I love how Emma comments. She's like, "That got that got kind of dark, didn't it?" Yeah, Emma's <laughs> yeah Emma's really meta right here. And Regina's like, eh, "Yeah, yeah, oh yeah." <laughs> you gotta it, do what you gotta do. It is a really meta moment. But Emma grabs the sword and says, "Let's go stop the real evil queen." Is this the magic stopping sword? Yeah. Yeah, it's the sword that it's the sword that can kill the evil queen without hurting Regina. Why'd that get brought over? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but was Emma holding it at the time? Emma was holding it at yes, the time. Yes, Emma was holding it. So she must have been transported to Princess Emma's bed, and that's why it was under the bed. Yeah. Okay. Still seems weird, but whatever. Let's move on. So the evil queen is wandering around Storybrooke, and she's like, you know, it's kind of nice when there's no one around. And then Grumpy... I feel you, evil queen. Yes. And then Grumpy and Sneezy run out of the diner and just like, ugh. And they're like, no, there's a portal in there. Run, there's a portal. And she's like, okay. And a mysterious hooded figure walks out of the diner. Oh my god, y'all. It's the hooded figure from Emma's vision. And he points at the evil queen and turns her into a snake in a cage. Just like David said. (gasps) A snake with a cuff in a cage uh okay yes so and this is basically the end of the evil queen being the big bad of this season yep the big bad is this hooded figure now we'll find out who he is in like two minutes Hmm. so at the nunnery abbey what have you convent convent uh bell and rumple show up to see that blue has got the crap kicked out of her by someone yeah, she is messed up, and she tells Belle and Rumple that she did what she could, but she couldn't fight the Black Fairy. The Black Fairy stole their child. I was going to say, as we will see later in the season, you had no problem kicking her ass in the past, but I guess she's been, I don't know, doing 
fairy crossfit or whatever the yes. black fairy she's been doing fairy pilates yes the, the black fairy's been doing fairy pilates and now she's totally capable of kicking blue's ass absolutely so back in the wish first uh emma and regina have shown up by the one beach in existence to get the magic beaten from you know the not dark rumple from not rumple so they can go home Regina mentions that she was not a super big fan of Princess Emma, and Emma is also embarrassed to have been Princess Emma, but it's still like a sweet reconnecting scene where they're remembering how much they love each other. It is kind of sweet, because Regina's like, I like original flavor Emma better than singing, skipping through the flowers Emma, and Emma's like, I didn't sing. That you saw? (laughs) Because Regina's like, "Uh whatever. But the dark one shows up and he's like, Here's a bean. I'm going to go murder some of these fake people who don't matter because, you know, they're fake. Bye. And I was like, this I was like, maybe I should follow up on that. Uh, whatever. I was like, I don't feel morally great, but. Eh. So. Oh. So back in Storybrooke, uh, David's like, David's standing over Snow's coma body. And he's like, is it actually a bad thing that I kill people all the time? Like, I've never really thought about it, but I murder a lot of people. And Hook's like, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Shut up. I mean, basically, yeah, David has one moment where he thinks, maybe I shouldn't kill people. And then it passes. Yeah, Hook tells him not to worry about it, and then he doesn't. So, the rest of the Storybrooke crew, plus Aladdin and Jasmine, come in. With the lamp. With the lamp. And David's like, hey, this lamp is yours now, Jasmine. And Jasmine's like, really? You're giving it to me? And Aladdin's like... Uh, I feel like I should have some input here, but whatever. <laughs> Aladdin and Jasmine ask him if he doesn't want to use it to break the curse before they leave. But he's like, yeah, I've, I've done the monkey's paw thing. I'm not doing it again. We're, we're done. We're done. So Jasmine takes the lamp. Aladdin gives his scarab brooch that symbolized being the savior to Henry to give to Emma if she ever comes back. And Jasmine wishes that they were back in Agrabah and... Bye, Jasmine and Aladdin. uh, Aladdin says, everyone says they're, you know, goodbyes, but Aladdin's like, we'll be back for like 10 seconds in a couple episodes. Mm. But uh, Jasmine references the Aladdin movie. She's like, do you trust me? And he's like, "Uh, I get it, because that's the thing I said to you in the movies. Oh, I miss that. I miss that. And then then they bamf off to wherever the hell Acrobat is. So... I remember Jafar as being a bigger part of this season. I think... I think that... Isn't that... Do you think you were thinking that because he's so big in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland? No, I think there's like one episode where they deal with him later this season. Oh, okay. I think that might be true. Because they went through all the trouble of casting an actual actor who's in actual movies and stuff. Yeah. So Jafar is going to be pushed aside once more for the hooded figure who encounters Rumple and Belle doing an awful rehash of their stupid relationship in Rumple Shop. Oh, it's terrible because they're like, oh, we were both at fault. No, this is Rumple's fault because he's an abuser. This isn't... Belle's like, oh, I should have realized that you weren't the one who sped up my pregnancy even though you threatened to do that very thing and magically trapped me. Uh, I don't know, but they're like, oh no, the Black Fairy has our son. And Rumpel's like, yes, and she probably has him in some realm of dark magic where time moves differently, so he'll be an adult when he shows up. And then we go back to the loft, where Leroy shows up with the evil 
queen in the cage, which he somehow knows is the evil queen? Well, he was there when the hooded figure showed up. Oh, he saw it happen. Okay, okay. So, uh... He's like, oh no, this is terrible. And I'm like, is it though? Is it terrible? Or is it the answer to your problems? And he he says, a hooded figure turned the evil queen into a snake. And David's like, that's probably the hooded figure that killed... That will have killed that will have killed emma did you see who was under the hood did you see who was under the hood and leroy's like if i had seen who was under the hood i probably would have just led with whoever was under the hood but then the hooded figure enters rumple and bell shop and it's gideon oh it's gideon he takes off his hood and he's like hello mother hello father it's very when connor showed up an angel this has been such a reference heavy episode but Eh, what are you gonna do it is very, very much when adult Connor came back from Kortoth. Also, did his hair get worse? Than no, when it was, was it was terrible in the flashback. It's terrible now. It's terrible hair. I hate it. It's it's monk hair. He has monk hair. Like like acolyte monk hair. It's why would you make that choice? I don't know. Why would why? why so it's it's a pity we don't do best outfit worst hair anymore because Gideon's given Mary Margaret a run for her money. I mean, is it a pity because we stopped doing best outfit worst hair because I was feeling like we were too mean. And you know how mean we would get if we were still doing worst hair. Oh yeah, it'd be Gideon every week. So back in the Wishverse, uh, Regina and Emma throw the bean on the ground, the portal opens, and then they are accosted by who has to be the dumbest robber in the history of robbers. Yeah, yeah, Robin Hood shows up and is like, give me your jewelry, there will be no escape except through this glowing portal that I just watched you open. Yes, it's the Wish versus version of Robin Hood, who is the same age as our Robin Hood. Our Robin Hood, I guess. Right, uh-huh. And Regina's like, oh my god, Robin Hood, and he's like, there's no mercy, give me your jewelry. And Emma's like, we can just jump in this portal. Regina, he's not real, jump in the portal. This does really add to the idea that people in the Wishverse are non-player characters, because he's only responding with, like, the five lines that he's been programmed to respond with. Give me your jewelry. Give me your jewelry. Give me your jewelry. There is no escape. Emma's like, no, he's not real. We have to go. But Regina can't. She can't bring herself to leave. And and the portal closes up, trapping Regina and Emma in the Wishverse forever. (gasps) Or until next episode when they figure out how to get out. Also, is it just me, or did Robin's hair get, like, much worse? I, I, it was fine. It was, I was neutral on it. I mean, it wasn't, like, bad, but it looked worse than his hair used to. It definitely looked like it had product in it, which, mm, Well, I mean, let's not... Fall down that rabbit hole. Yes, exactly, so to speak. Mm. So, this, uh, I know this... is a great episode. I love it so much. We spent so much time talking about other stuff, which is normally the mark of a good episode for some reason. I think it's because if we love the episode, it makes us think of all the other things that we love. And if we hate the episode, we just want to get it over with and go back to our lives. Mm. But yeah, this was a really good episode. Uh, God, the Wish First stuff. The Wish First stuff is going to... It's going to be a weird way to fill in plot hole stuff. Oh, it's going to be the weirdest elegant solution for uh, for so many things. Yeah, there's a, a lot of plots that get closed through the Wishverse. Yeah. Which makes it even more awkward that Regina definitely murdered two definitely real people in this episode. Right? All right, let's talk about costumes. There are a lot of really good background costumes. I feel like... I feel like it's possible that the costumers 
were excited to be back in the Enchanted Forest and ready to whip out all of their great Enchanted Forest stuff. And not like Ed Royal Enchanted Forest stuff, you know, not peasants on the run with bandit snow stuff. Yeah, the finery. Yes. I mean, everyone's outfit looked amazing. Even Emma's outfit, which was terrible pale pink, well, it really was... accurately conveyed what they wanted it to convey. Yeah, it was a great character choice outfit. Exactly. Even Henry's, you know, I don't think the armor, you know, they might have meant the armor to be gold, but I think it was more of like a bronze. Yeah, I can see that. And it, his armor looked good. Uh, the Evil Queen outfits were, as you said, standard Evil Queen fare, so nothing stood out, but gorgeous as always. I do hope Regina moves away from that coat later. I mean, it's a fine coat, but... I feel like it's too militaristic for what Regina's aesthetic is. Hmm. Because it's 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 got very it's got a very military cut. I liked uh, I liked a lot of things about Aladdin's genie outfit, uh-huh. especially the fact that I I liked it was sort of built around the shoulder pads. It was the shoulder pads for this because he's got these kind of pointy shoulder pads, and then it's all just fabric flowing down from them. Interesting. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I feel like. It was a little middle ground for a uh, Once Upon a Time outfit. I feel like a Once Upon a Time outfit, especially if you're dealing with a magic character, should be pushing things more. But I also really liked uh, Snow White's aesthetic as queen. Not so much David's. David looks like if you were dressing a child as a king. That makes sense, given David's character, though. Hmm. It's just a red robe with a white uh, fur lining. Yes. And a king hat, or crown, as some people call them. I, um, yeah, I, you know, I really did feel like costumes went above and beyond this week. I think that they were all, I think that they all matched really well with the character beats that the show was trying to convey. And for when this episode should have ended, I think that... Are we still doing, I thought we were doing recommendations now. Uh, We are, but I do have a thing for when this episode should have ended. Oh, okay. Which was, it should have... It's not really when it should have ended, but they should have just jumped in the portal. Oh, that's not so much when it should have ended as much as it's so frustrating that they didn't just do the thing. And this is... Okay, I'm sorry. I really don't like the Wish vs. Robin Hood storyline. I was never huge on Robin Hood as a character, and this whole beat with him feels so unnecessary. So for you, it's not so much when this episode should have ended as when this plot line that's just beginning should have ended, which is before it began. Yes. Because it goes nowhere. Yeah. Well, I I mean, mean, it's part of the motivation for how the Evil Queen plot wraps up. True. Which I, as I said, think is a a nice way to wrap that up. Mm-hmm. So, recommendations. I do have a recommendation. Can you guess what it is? Is it Watch the Wish first episode of Buffy? No, is that your recommendation? That was going to be my recommendation. Go for it. Okay, so my recommendation is to watch, uh, well, A, to watch the Wish first episode of Buffy, The Wish, from uh, season three, but more specifically to watch the follow-up to that, Doppelgangland. Ah, yes. Yes. Watch both of them as a pair, because I do like The Wish, but I feel like it really needs the resolution it gets in the sequel episode, because otherwise it just feels very disconnected from the main plot. That makes sense. Um, No, my recommendation is to watch the Justice League episode for The Man Who Has Everything. Ooh. Ah. Yes. Uh, Which is is based on an Alan Moore Superman uh, arc. 
that is great. Just watch it. The Black Mercy is such a good concept, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's basically it's Superman being trapped in his own wish verse. It's amazing. Watch it. I, I feel like if you're listening to us, you probably are familiar with this particular plot line since, as I said, it was an arc in the Superman comics. I mean, I, I'm saying arc. It was just a one shot. Mm. It was a it was a Superman comic. It got made into an episode of the Justice League, which I think is the best telling of it. Mm. And it also got made into an episode of Supergirl that I haven't watched, so maybe that episode is great, which was for the girl who has everything. We do need to watch the. We need, we to, need get to catch up, up on, on Supergirl. Yeah, we're like we're ten seasons behind. Yeah, we. The thing is, I really like Monel as a character in the comics, and I've heard nothing but terrible things about him in the show. I think the thing is that we live in an era of peak TV, and between all of the peak TV and talking about Once Upon a Time all the time, it's uh. It's hard to fit in other TV. Yeah. Although we are watching a lot of Friends because we're getting ready for a Friends trivia contest. You know what? I was going to so. cut that line since earlier we talked about how much Friends we were watching and I feel like one of those things belies the other. But yeah, I think that'll about do it for this episode. I think you're right. Our show is partially listener supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com and click on our Patreon link. I'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you'd like to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Story Bros. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming. His kisses were stars.